Eric, Mr. Highliner. Into Highliner. Oh my God. Oh. I'm, I'm telling you, he's I'm looking I, I for think, the question. He's like, can you, can you see my second point? Yeah, yes. but you need to turn we, on your you, video. You go there. <laughs> I told you, he, okay. was the, he was looking for the perfect angle. But yeah, Eric, are, are you I sure? Are you sure one. you want to use that background because it's gonna look? Um, it's not Very, gonna. Like, yes, it's gonna look too fake when you we were like from the space. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I already yeah. removed that. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Yes. This, it's this fine. is this is I good. This is good. We're live and we're officially starting this episode. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to you guys for coming on, and um, willing to share your experience and different expertise um on the show today i'm pretty 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 excited about what we're going to talk about um one because i think it's viable um also because i think it is significant in our generation how did you get to this place you guys you have very interesting resume in terms of um you know african representation and a lot of things like that so I mean, just for people who are watching this for the first time and who are not able to read your bio, um, you know, just tell us about you, your your origin story, and how that path has led to your current career to from from now. I think Olivia can start, right? <laughs> Anybody can start. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think um, you know, it's a it will be long and uh, yeah, but I, I think I it's better if I link my experience uh, with uh, China or my encounter with China, I think it's, it makes more sense because currently I'm in China. So I think uh, I'm a Cameroonian and uh, yeah, I spent uh, quite of my, uh, quite some time in Cameroon. Also, I've been traveling around in Europe as well, but uh, education, we're mainly in Cameroon and Germany. But then um, when it comes to, when it comes to China, for me, I have this, um, I would say this hobby of uh, learning languages. So I was quite curious about the, 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 the Chinese, you know, the Chinese, the many Chinese in Cameroon. That was in 2014 when I saw a lot of, you know, I saw multiple uh, Chinese businesses, Chinese projects, you know, building stadiums in my country, roads, a lot of infrastructure projects. And uh, me just approaching them, you know, what, it didn't do any good because I couldn't even understand any Mandarin. So I started to investigate. That's how I came to, 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 I came across a Confucius Institute that was in 2015. Yeah. I decided to take some few classes just to, you know, just to be literate, <laughs> Mandarin literate. And then to see, because my, um, uh, bottom line was also is, and is still to be a diplomat. And as such, you have to understand actually uh, any different, any kinds of people that are in your country, or you might also be able, you might also be called to travel abroad. So I ended up in a Confucian Institute, but short term. And within the Confucian Institute, I learned a lot of not only the Mandarin, it's uh, mainly teaching you about the Chinese uh, language and the culture. But then I also started digging deeper in terms of educational systems and, you know, because I wanted to know how many Chinese in Cameroon, what are they doing, what are their work ethic. I had no intention of going in China at that time. So, and then I had the, uh, the, the you know, it was around uh, the, the, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Chinese Minister of Foreign Affairs visit to Cameroon. 
you know the you know they visit he the foreign affairs visits african countries you know and then he came to cameroon and i was actually um you know i was representing the cameroonian youth to actually welcome him and show him you know talk about yaoundé the capital city of cameroon that's when he actually introduced the whole Peking University, Tsinghua University. I had no idea, you know, because we're actually not quite well informed when it comes to Chinese scholarship or Chinese, you know, school or universities at the very least in Cameroon. So he introduced those, uh, you know, uh, Peking University, Tsinghua University, and he actually told me that you should go to Peking University. And after I, I encounter, I checked on that and then I decided to apply for Peking University. That's how the same year, 2015, I applied and successfully I got enrolled at Peking University, but it was uh, a Master of uh, International uh, Relations, Mandarin top. So yeah, that's how I came to, you know, it was here yeah, that was um, very, it was within a year, very short, but then, and I could, speak some decent Mandarin, but uh, I came to China uh, by the end of 2015 and I was still, I found out like I was the first time in my life I, I'm illiterate because you 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 know nothing, you know, no Mandarin, a new whole, a whole new word. I've never been in China before coming here. I've never been in Asia. So it was now a huge undertaking to move from illiterate to literate. So from illiteracy to literacy. So yeah, that's a rough, you know, self-introduction about me and my encounter with uh, China. Wow, that's that's one <laughs> that's one really interesting story. I think um, Eric as well. Let's let's move to you. Um, how would you briefly introduce your your path to where you currently are right now, and how that fits into China and Africa? Yeah. Uh... My story, I think uh, it is actually quite a bit complex and it's an e uneven path, if I could say. Like we like complex. We <laughs> like complex. <laughs> All right. You know, because when I grew up, um, I actually was in the uh, countryside of Zimbabwe. That's where I did my primary and secondary education. And then um, Later on, I did my high school, and at that time, I was studying commercial subjects. And, uh, you know, I was someone who has been, you know, looking at what uh, is happening in China in terms of, I was quite impressed when we had the opportunity to actually also watch some movies about China and all that, you know. I'm pretty sure most of you here watched the likes of uh, Jackie Chani and all of that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Something that has always been impressive to me. But I never actually thought that I was going to have an opportunity to come to China. So I think um, my interest about actually studying abroad, it increased when I was uh, doing my high school. And at that time, my, the subject that I wanted to study, it was uh, actual science. Uh, because I was studying commercial subjects, uh, you know, our education system, you choose like three subjects, so studying mathematics, uh, business studies, and an extra one, which was geography. So I wanted to really start um, actual science. So I applied through an agent um, after I got someone who came to a school saying that actually there were some opportunities to go and start 
in China. So I thought it was a, a good opportunity for me because uh, with all that I have been checking and China's fast development and all that, I actually wanted to, at least if I can actually see it uh, by myself. So I, I was ready to apply and I applied. I found myself here. But actually what, I, what was complex was um, I applied for actual science, but the agent, you know, ended up um, applying applied physics for me. But then <laughs> when I came here, I couldn't change, change back to actual science. So I studied applied physics in my bachelor's and um, I was quite uh, worried that it was not going to go well with me because I was coming from a commercial background to natural sciences. I think that actually is a difficult kind of transformation but I managed to cope up with the process. I actually, after a semester or so, I started liking applied physics. I became so interested in it, but it didn't get so difficult because there was someone who was interested in mathematics that much. Uh, so it helped me a lot. And um, after I finished my bachelor's, I then decided to change to international relations. So you can find out that I started in commercials, I went to natural sciences, and now I'm in social sciences. So that's how uneven my path is, that's how complex it is. And some might actually be asking why, after you know moving from commercials to natural sciences, then why did yeah. you come out from yeah. natural sciences to international relations, to social sciences? This kind of uh, you know a change because I was someone who became so interested in the way how countries interact in terms of, uh, especially when we talk about people-to-people -people exchanges, right? Because I've always been involved in public social welfare, even when I was in Zimbabwe, participated a lot in um, volunteer activities through Lions Club International. They have LEO, which is a project for the targeted elder the youth and I, I took part a lot when i came to hanjo i started also getting involved in that so during my entire undergraduate uh, period that is actually was my focus when I'm, i was free actually to do all those public social welfare so it oh, actually also has an influence on the reason why, why I changed that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I think it's great how you guys have been able to forge your experiences. And um I, I think it's it's uh it's 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 interesting how um, you guys chose different you know different routes to get here, but there's a lot of similarity between um where you guys currently are now. And we'll sort of use that as a segue into the concept of what I really want us to talk about, which is um, Africa as a continent and the youths of Africa, um, especially because you guys, you're a young person in this current day and age, you too, you are leaders in your respective societies and you're scholars. So let's look at, and I'll start with um, Olivier. Why, why did you choose to study African history in China? Because when I read your bio and I saw that part, it really got me curious into, okay, I mean, China would be the last place that I think anyone would consider to come and study African history. 
Um, so why did you make that decision to study African history here in China? Yeah, that's a very good uh, question. Not only African history, but then uh, to directly answer your question, you know, when you um, when you get to a certain place, when you get to a new place, as I told you, uh, the first the, the, the first time I came to China was like illiterate, right? You find out like you rediscover yourself and you actually are aware of who you are more. You know, this kind of uh, perception is stronger when you are in a foreign territory. Do you understand? So you happen to understand more who you are, what you can do, what is it? You know, your you these kind of existential questions actually you get a lot of answers when you when you transpose yourself in a very in a different environment where you are actually yeah so i chose to 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 study you know i chose african history as one of my uh minors because uh not that i am not confident about you know me being african or my knowledge about africa even though you know the empty cup mentality we always have something to learn but because it was to see how the Chinese people view Africa, to learn about Africa from a Chinese perspective. And that's why uh, my I chose, because I had the, the, the choice to choose an English talk, but I chose Mandarin talk, because I wanted to understand the view, the Chinese view of the world, the Chinese view of Africa, the Chinese view of China, Africa. Because uh, when in Africa, or even if I, come here and I still and I still uh, keep my my comfort zone I will see see like Africa China from Africa to China so but uh, I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't notice I wouldn't even try to put my feet in other people's shoes you know like we are sitting now if I put a six exactly. here I see six but you see nine right yes you see M and I see W this kind of uh, mentality so it is a way for me uh, to actually master both sides. As an African, I already understand the African perspective, even if I'm still learning 54 countries, because it is not because you're Cameroonian or Zimbabwean that you know what is happening, that you've mastered the whole Africa. We're talking about 54 countries, 50 plus countries. Absolutely. Yes. So, but uh, it is also very interesting to understand the Chinese perspective. It's like, I, as I told you, my hobby is learning languages. Why? Because learning language is like, is like a door to understand the other you know the other people's perspective and not that you will give up your perspective to adopt theirs but you will add you understand you will add what is the need in adding other people's perspective not judging if it's good or, or good or bad the need is actually to give you more wisdom a more comprehensive view on a particular issue or on particular uh, you know and also to be able to absorb you know what needs to be absorbed you know also to to refurbish your country your continent so this is why i chose uh, the african history and it was very uh, i would say rich was very rich as well and i learned a lot how what is the chinese view what are the the the, the what are the, the the good side the packs do you understand and also I chose to learn about the African uh, history in China, also to contribute, because they are also they are also in a way learning more yes. or deepening their understanding about Africa, and it is it is the perfect opportunity for me 
to fill in the you know some to you know some seeds of African agency to show them what is the real Africa because for some of them they have never been to Africa even if even if they have been to Africa but it is the great opportunity for me to deepen that understanding you know that's also that's also the reason why I came to China to understand more so it's a you know it's a win-win kind of situation <laughs> where I learn yeah. their perspective of Africa while also letting them know more about the real Africa. So yeah, yes. that's uh yeah. That that's that's great. Uh, that's a very strategic position to hold in terms of how um, we're being represented. Because rightly, as you say, for example, um, even as someone who was you know who's from the continent it is nearly impossible to have an understanding of 54 different countries, right? Um, but then I, another interesting question for you, all of you, because this is more like towards um, what you are studying is being African, right? We're at a point where is it a national identity or a continental identity? And if 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 it's either one, why? Why is that so? Because you find a lot of people, um, especially in some places where they they think Africa is just one country, you know? So is that a function of the continent being described as just, you know, one, you know, one country, or is that just a misrepresentation? You know, so how is this identity? How has this thing evolved over time to where we currently are now? Representation of African youth, African people all around the world. What do you think about that? Okay, first of all, you have to understand Africa is diverse and unique. You know, this when you <laughs> well, say diverse, I know that. I know that. I, yeah, when you say yes, when you say diverse, many countries and unique, you know, some some but but then I think it uh, I've been in Europe too. So it depends on uh where you are, right? Because identity, this identity is different from, it can vary, it varies from people to people. So we are here in, in a place where ever since I came here, the perception is like Africa is one, you know, it's common. Africa is one, Africa is one. When you say um, Cameroonian, it's very difficult. So, but for me, I mean, um, the other thing that I, I, I you know, you, when I came to China, I got certain awareness because um, you learn also, you realize that you learn about, you learn more or uh, faster about Africa being here. Absolutely. Than, let's say if yeah. that's what I told you, if you're going to in a, in a foreign territory, you will realize that you will learn more about yourself. You will learn deeper, you will, you will have this uh, full awareness. So I came up, I came here in, in, in China, and you realize that okay only looking for cameroonians is actually you know it's it's like a, a drop of water in the, in the ocean so you then you have the view of africa as a community of course we grew up in africa we know that in africa we have these pan african views like family we know our history right but it is stronger when you are abroad do you understand where you actually feel where you actually want to feel in the community where you because uh you are in in a in a country or you are at a place where you need to teach them who you are you need to tell them who you are you need to tell them how diverse how unique you are you need to tell them what exactly is africa what exactly is cameroon and this 
couldn't be done you know on yourself so it is actually bridging from my perspective i came i reached a point where i actually not really differentiate um now being the head delegation of african youth in china i work for uh, egypt i work for zimbabwe uh, you know without a you know with no boundaries right of course we have this kind of uh, a patriotic or you you know this kind of patriotic you know view like you have to do certain stuff for cameroon but generally speaking here in china you act as african and for me i don't see any conflict or any you know i'm cameroonian yes but i'm african so when i stand let's say that's why i said it depends on who, on where you are on who you uh, who you're dealing with and their their perception right because they too they're trying to make impact on you you know teaching mm. you about their culture making some you know or, or, or deepening your knowledge about themselves but for me uh, i realized that okay if i spend my time to let you understand more about cameroon it's fine but still it won't you know it, it won't it wouldn't affect as much because you will not have you will have you know nothing about because it will even end up being a generalization whatever i would tell you about cameroon was oh i know it, let's say if i say oh uh, in cameroon there's this kind of situation oh yeah in africa do you understand which is a big mistake because the situation in cameroon is not necessary and not even the same as in nigeria my neighbors congo or do you understand so it depends on who you're talking to and who you're dealing but for me uh, the, the the one there's no conflict i'm a cameroonian i'm an african but here my uh my end my overall goal is like i am african my africanness you know first and then to yeah, yeah. and then to move on to to narrow down to be a cameroonian yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting though. And I would also like to, you know, throw that to Eric in terms of the concept of identifying as, you know, as someone from the continent or someone from your country. Um, just like, you know, Olivia has mentioned, we're in a space where there is need to educate people more about the continent. Now, what is the most strategic approach? And which sort of goes to the question of how can we really properly represent ourselves should we do that on a country level which is oh well i'm not you know i'm not from this i'm uh i'm 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 from this specific country in africa or should we embrace that whole continent and be like you know what yeah we are you know we're really just a bunch of um incredible people from the continent um, so in your perspective, Eric, what do you think is the best way that we should represent ourselves? Okay, I think uh, Olivia mentioned it well. You talked about the person that you're talking to. And I would want to add on that. I think it also depends on the, you know, the field that you are covering or the area that you are in and also it also depends on the time so why am i saying that because actually identifying as africans if we are in china is unique in in a sense because we also have um, a, a way of looking at our african culture from a perspective of the unity of uh, a culture in diversity that that means you know we all have a, a very diverse background but we also have 
uh, something that actually unify us. So besides that, if you also take a look into um, our some of our ideologies, like uh, philosophies, if I could say, like Ubuntu, it also has that aspect of actually, you know, um, identifying us as a single, as a unity. So I think uh, it, it doesn't matter if you are in China, you are in which area, as long as you are out of Africa, it's always, you know, good to identify as um, a unity, as as a single, uh, you know, unit. So I'm actually happy and I'm always, you know, um, proud to, to represent um, Africa. And at some time, of course, I have to opt to be a Zimbabwean. That actually depends with what I'm doing. But most of the times, as, as Olivia said, actually, uh, because if you take a look at how the relations are defined, it's China-Africa relations. And um, the reason is not actually because uh, Africa is one in terms of, uh, terms of uh, boundary divisions, in terms of culture, there are many things in there, but actually we can always also identify ourselves as, a, as an, a, a, a unity. So I think it's actually something that we should take upon ourselves. So when it comes to educating the locals about what Africa is, that's when we can actually split to say, ah, you know, there is Zimbabwe, there is Morocco, there is Cameroon. We have so several countries. We actually have 55 countries in terms of if we are talking about an, or a, uh, from an AU perspective. AU perspective, we, yes. yes. We have 55 countries, uh, you know. 54, and, actually. 55, actually, according yeah, to 54, the but the, the 55th yeah. one is not really, you know, it's, uh, it's partial. Which one is that? I have no idea. The which one, one below Morocco, you know, yeah, the, the island, Western, uh, the island one. Yeah. No, it's, it's not an Western island. Sahel. Western, Western Sahel. Sahel. Western Sahel. Oh, it's, uh, it hasn't right. had yeah. much of a approval in the national community as a country. Is, yeah. As yes, oh. it's partially recognized. Yeah. So it is recognized by the African Union. But then United Nations recognizes 54 countries. That's when, that's why you see every time when we talk about Africa, we always talk about 54 countries. But actually, according to AU, we have 55, 55. countries. Wow. So those are the, some of the things that, you know, when we are talking about the detailed uh, history, the detailed, you know, uh, culture, the detailed status quo of Africa, some of the things that you can talk about. But when you're talking about the culture, I think we can always relate to each other as Africans. And also, uh, I think politically, it's also uh, one and the same thing. We have Pan-Africanism, I think Olivia talked about it as well. So there are many things that we relate to each other as Africans, but it actually doesn't mean that we don't have boundaries. I think we should actually make that point clear there. Identifying ourselves as Africans doesn't mean that we don't have backgrounds, we don't have diverse languages, we don't have diverse cultures, we don't have different food and, 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 exactly. and, and cloth. It doesn't mean that. It actually means that exactly. we have something in common as a people, yeah. Let's keep it real here. Before the countries were formed, we didn't have that segregation of this is from this, this is from this. Yes, we were diverse, but 
we still existed as you know as one people in a way and um i don't know if you guys have seen the video from the south african guy um malema where he was invited to to uh, to to you know to the honorable malema yes and, <laughs> and <laughs> you know i every time i watch that guy i just love his passion right um sometimes i do not necessarily agree with a lot of things that he does in terms of how um some of the the approach that they take but i feel like the core of what he's saying is that africans are one and that's the that's the main thing so the more we identify as africans the more right feeling into what you've said olivia is we're able to teach people about the diverse languages the culture and everything that we have and also if we look at the country where we are in china china is a country that has quite a very diverse group of people you know but i don't think it's something a lot of people know but somehow they've been able to manage all that diversity and which sort of brings me into the next point is africa and china right where are we where are we today as as a stance what is what is the status of this relationship between africa and china whoa that's a that's a very that's a bomb <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think um so far i came here in 2015 so i think uh africa and china you have to understand that uh it is also uh uh relations that dates you know uh, we of course we won't compare that with uh a former colonial power but it is all it is still a relation that date if we, we can trace it uh, longer to the history uh, but then uh, they're actually uh, both, I would say, Africa and China's relationship is being uh, gradually tightened by a lot of uh, frameworks of partnership. We have the FOCAC, for example, Forum China Africa Cooperation, which actually is actually putting a lot of frameworks that will pair China with a variety of uh, African countries, you know, under many projects, right? So that's why if you look at the numbers in terms of uh, in terms of trade, in terms of you have uh, in terms of commerce, you know, the numbers are very high. The China, you see China, the first the first the biggest partner, uh, you know, infrastructure, you know, that China has a, a very good brand in infrastructure. And even among the youth, you can see that uh, it ranks actually uh, already the, the I would say the second or the third, the second after France. Uh, in terms of African students, you know, uh, studying uh, overseas, France, the France being the first, uh, passing UK and the US already. So you can see that there is this kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, increasing trend, you know, of uh, tightening the relations. But then, uh, of course, there are still a lot, a lot, a lot of challenges uh in terms of i'm i'm wrapping up just to leave uh, eric some content because i can cover everything <laughs> <laughs> don't do that but to then, him <laughs> yeah but then uh, i think um one of the 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 various uh, challenge and eric will actually add up to that is actually uh, at the people to people level that's why you see if you look at what we've been doing eric and i we've been involving, you know, on a down to earth perspective on the people to people level, because we noticed that uh, a lot of, a lot that is going on between Africa and China is, it's been a government to government relations, you know, a lot of 
agreement signed, but people actually don't feel it, don't feel the, the, the mean of having those, those, pro those projects. Let's say, for example, if you build a stadium, is to have some athletes, some players, some football players to play there, right? What if the people don't even don't feel that? Do you understand? So those projects are not actually, uh, to a certain extent, reaching out to the people. So there is still a gap and there are a lot of misunderstanding. We mentioned a couple of them, you know, the African perspective or perception about China and vice versa, the Chinese perception about Africa and which actually hinders, which, which is actually a great obstacle in both, you know, both sides, uh, you know, dealing the relationship and even the media, but I will, I will come later. Let's, uh, let, let's, uh, Eric, add on that otherwise you would say i covered everything and <laughs> yeah eric throwing some light <clears throat> yeah actually <laughs> he always likes to do that uh, finishing all the points for me actually <laughs> okay so um you know china africa relations they're actually long than we think uh we we actually share a very long history we might be talking about 1960s but actually that's not where the relations start the first guy to visit africa visited africa 1264 years ago it was Doban. it was junker uh, no no uh, junker went to Jiangha went to Africa in Ming Dynasty. The first guy was uh, Du Huan. Du Huan, yes. Du Huan went there 1,264 years ago. I actually was checking about the, the, the figures some days ago. Um, and at that time, you know, it was people to people. He just went there and um, the same thing happened with, uh, what, what is the guy? I think Batuta from uh, Morocco, you can check mm -hmm. about that. He also China. visited I think China. I read that as well. So he was just a casual traveler. So he was a traveler. So these two guys, Du Huan and um, uh, uh, Batuta, they differ from Zhenghe in the, uh, you know, from a, a perspective that Zhenghe established the trade, you know. He's yes. one of the guys who started, you know, setting up, he's, he had to set up the foundation things like this uh, silk road maritime and, and all that but then you then realize that uh, i think what we learn from this interaction and uh, back then during the ancient times it was a down-to-earth interaction you have duhuan you have Jenghe, they they went to africa you also have patuta and the other guys who visited china as well to understand what was happening in the east so it was always a down-to-earth interaction. It was starting from a people-to-people -people level. So I think now we should also, you know, bring back that kind of, you know, people-to-people -people exchanges between uh, China and the African continent. So that's why Olivia was actually talking about that just now. And I think that's actually very important. People-to-people -people exchanges, the youth-to-youth -youth exchanges as well. Why? Olivia mentioned about it that a lot of students are also now preparing to go to China. Um, recently, maybe if we could say before the pandemic, because because of the pandemic, I think a lot of uh, things just got uh, invented. 
we have a lot of classes now being carried out online and all that. But after the pandemic, I think the trend will resume. We will see more and more students coming to China. So the youth to youth exchange is something that we should also focus on. Because also, so, so, sorry, to, sorry to cut you short, Eric, but you mentioned something very critical, which is a very important question that I have. Um, mentioning the youth to youth exchange, I'm guessing in this case, we're talking about um, youths from the countries on the African continent and Chinese youths as well. But, and you know, we, we say this a lot, but the question is how? How can we enhance cultural representation on both sides? How can we make sure that we're integrating more and causing mutual exchange? How, how can we do that? Yes, I think uh, what is happening here is that we actually have misunderstanding on both the sides. We Africans do not understand China. The Chinese youths also do not understand Africa. So we should actually do a lot of work in trying to actually share the African perspective with them as they are sharing the Chinese perspective with us. But also, let's also be ready to learn their culture first, you know, because we seem to also not be interested in learning the Chinese culture, but we also want them to understand the African culture. How is that going to happen? We should be ready to learn and also to share. So it's mutual learning. That's actually a mutual learning and, and, and mutual sharing of experiences. That's something that we should be focusing on. And this approach should be a down-to-earth approach. It can also happen in entrepreneurship. Let's share, you know, cooperate with the Chinese. We have a lot of them, very young ones going to Africa, investing there, but we are not getting into cooperation with them. We are not getting into cooperation with them. So let's cooperate from the grassroots, uh, you know, interact with them from many different angles, even in, uh, you know, academics. When we are doing some academic works, we can also work together. I think that's actually the best thing. And when you take a look at, at China, I think one thing that I actually admire about the Chinese is they are, you know, they are so proud to promote their culture, right? We should also be proud to promote the African culture. We have a lot now uh, also, as I was saying, that we should be ready to, to learn the, Africa, the, 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 the Chinese culture, right? We also now have, in China, they have a, a, a phrase that they call Zhongbo uh, Tong, meaning someone who understands their culture more right but we should be ready also to have the Feijou Tong, if we are going to say it in in chinese a lot of chinese who are, understand africa and are ready to share the african perspective with their uh companions i think that that's actually something that we should be focusing on there is a very long way to go but i think we can do this if we really take it upon our shoulders it's the youth to say no you see what is happening here is we have a lot that we can benefit from each other it's a win-win uh, cooperation it's a cooperation of equals yeah so so i think to to just to summarize i think uh, a lot he actually said it all but i think the two two main uh 
two main index of what uh, Eric just mentioned. I would totally agree with him because we we we're always working together. I mean, proactive us. I mean, a proactive when I say African agency, you know, the African youth should be proactive. And number two, like balancing. Proactive in terms of, as he mentioned, you know, you have also to, to you need to, to be proud to share about your African culture, your African, you know. So always be proactive because the Chinese, as he mentioned, the Chinese are very, very proud to, you know, they, 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 are, they are so proud to share about their culture, to share about their, 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 their country that, you know, they are always framed by propaganda and everything. Of course, you can say what, but I call it national branding, right? I call it national branding because every country has the right to promote, you know, this is national branding. Absolutely. Instead of framing, instead of framing or propaganda, you also national brand or continental brand yourself to add value to yourself. Do you understand? That's what I meant, proactive. So we should be proud to share about the African culture. And in that sense, we also would be able to attract, attract more Chinese in Africa, right? Because what we have on the media, let's say if I if I show about if I show about Yaounde, I show you know some beautiful sceneries, so a lot of opportunities, a lot of potential, shifting those kind of stereotypes about Africa not having water or whatever. Yes, you know, Africa as an ideal place to invest will also be able to attract Chinese students, Chinese youth, Chinese investor in Africa. Thus, balancing proactive and. I say balancing because uh, sometimes too, we also need to let them know, to let them learn about, because it's one thing to be willing to share, but it is another thing to let them understand your culture. Absolutely. Do you understand? Because sometimes they are just uh, convinced, okay, this is it. No, that's why uh, Eric, and like he said, Jungo Tong and Fejo Tong, actually we, uh, we like those type, of, those type of discourse because this Fejo Tong actually, we you know we are trying to make even it doesn't matter whatever you do we're trying to make everything even right that's why uh, there is also it's also a phrase in chinese or oh, learn the real learn about the real china if you look at the slogan no go there or you know travel around china to learn about the real china even on the media but then i said yes I learned, you know, to let the world learn about the real China. Say, okay, to let the world learn about the real China and China learn about the real Africa, Africa. to us. So exactly having letting having their discussed even, you know, that's actually what we're here, you know, to balance is a partnership of equals. What is the meaning of the partner partnership of equals? What they meant in their in their uh uh by issue, their white paper, right? Partnership of equals it means everything has to leverage. Let me give you a very down to earth example, because for me, you know, bottom up, I like the bottom up approach. You He's know? about to drop it, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. For example, we drop went it at like this, it's hot. Yeah, exactly. We went at this event. It was CCG. You see, it was CCG too. Like, like the moon in China. No, but I want to tell you about the moon in Africa for example. And that's why I had, we were so many foreigners there, but they said, yeah, the moon in China, because they, they organized events such as to, to share about, 
you know, your impression about the moon or this uh, Mid Autumn Festival in China. But sorry, uh, for me, the overall goal is yes, to learn about what the moon means for China, but then to let you Chinese know what the moon means for what Africa. What it means. So when yeah. I stood there, instead of talking about the moon in China, the moon in Africa. Do you understand? So when I live there, you say, if you read, no, I now understood what the moon means for Africa, for Cameroon. And I learned what the moon means. So this is the discourse. Do you understand? This is what, this is how you have to make it even and how you have to add value to your culture, value to your perspective, how you will balance the whole relationship. Because if you look at the history, to just close your question that, that, that is about Africa, China, it doesn't matter if it's Africa, China, when it comes to ge geopolitical arrangement or frameworks, Africa has always been framed as being passive, you know, passive, passive, passive. But it is right time to rebalance everything. And it's time, like people to people relationship, even those discourse, even, you know, so yeah. So that's what I can add to what Eric said. Um, so I do agree that, yes, a lot of African youths have to be more proactive we need to talk about our culture. We need to wear our culture. And we also have to take initiative of trying to strike that balance, which is I'm willing to learn your culture. Um, but while I'm learning yours, you also have to, you know, learn this about mine, um, which is, which is a very great thing that you've mentioned. Hopefully we'll have more of those type of, um, endeavors in CCG where, you know, it, it's kind of like, a you know, a balanced approach to things like this. Um, lastly, because of our time, we're running out of time. I wanted to talk to you guys because you're in position of leadership. Um, Olivia, you mentioned FOCAC. And for people who do not know, FOCAC is the forum on China and Africa affairs, right? That's that's what it means. Cooperation. Yes. Forum on China and Africa cooperation. Yes. Yeah. So being in that leadership position as, I mean, you, you've done a lot of incredible things. In 2017, um, you went to, to where was it again? Pakistan. In, in Pakistan. Pakistan. You've been, I mean, you, <laughs> you've, you've, you've made the trip, right? And also Eric as well. Eric is also the, the founder of the, um, the Abroad Path Leadership Program. And you, you got an award in 2022, the Hangzhou Asian Games Civilized. That that award, it sounds so posh. You're like, oh my God, this is the most civilized person we've ever seen. <laughs> the only foreigner. The only foreigner. Not only the only African, but the only foreigner. Wow. So, I mean, in because you guys are in this types of position, right? What is the journey so far? And what would you say that has been the biggest challenges and the biggest success so far um, in your positions. Let, let's start with Eric. Eric, you go. Yeah, um, I think uh, there are a couple of challenges. The first one is actually coming back to the issue of uh, misunderstandings, because um, you know, as we are trying to push the African perspective to leave the African uh, legacy. There are also some, you know, hiccups that we we meet along the way, but I think that's actually not a challenge. It's also an op opportunity somehow, because if everyone understood what Africa was, then there is actually no work left for us to do. But I think we have a lot of work that has been left on our table uh, by, you know, by 
how the relations have been in, evolving so far. So we are taking it up from there. And as we are doing that, uh, something that we also, uh, you know, think should actually be improved is actually also, you know, some of those things that um, uh, we mentioned in the previous uh, segment, uh, the issues of being proactive, I'm talking about our counterparts. If we can have all, uh, you know, we can have some like common goal in actually trying to establish this kind of uh, youth to youth relations. For me, I have been in participating in um, these people to people exchanges more than anything else, because that's where I think the major uh, problem is, the major concern is when you talk about China-Africa relations. So I think we should be focusing on that more than, in, than anything else. So um, the, 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 the path has been not so smooth, of course, uh, but I think I, I have a lot to appreciate to the opportunity that has been provided to us locally for us to really understand what is China, what is the Chinese culture as well. And also for us to share the African perspective. I think that's actually more important than anything else if we, got, if we are talking about the opportunity. I will just try to continue. And of course, having people like Olivia, uh, you know, alongside with, <laughs> With, with with the other African youths who are so passionate about you know sharing the African perspective in building the African legacy, I think it's actually a, an honor. So yeah, that's all I could say actually. Know if you have all right. more questions. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> uh, what about you, Olivia? You might want to wrap up as um... yeah. Okay, for I'm doing the same thing as Eric, but then uh, you know the down-to-earth perspective this is actually what i've been doing uh since uh, i would say 2017 uh not only because he mentioned a trip that we we've been we went we were uh it was actually we had the also opportunity to experience uh to be an, a village official that's what's in shansi where he mentioned but other than that i've been to more than 20 counties and eric too you know when we have time we are going to villages for me i will go let's say to local school I'll just go into uh, like this uh, middle school, high school, Chimin, sit there, and then I take over a class, I teach you, you know, I would do that a lot in a lot of villages. And of course, uh, they, under the supervision of the, the local, uh, you know, the, the school administration. But then a discussion I, will, I held so many in Hebei, in so many counties where I sit there, I say, okay, tell me, let's have a, a you know, a open, an open door discussion. Tell me what you know about Africa. Oh no, water, blah blah blah. Okay, then I will tell you what I what I know of China, what I knew of China before come. Right? This is the first. Now, let me tell you what Africa <laughs> is. Do you understand? And you tell me what your county, you know. For me, I you tell me so, so let's that's why I said proactive. You know, they were kind of oh, if they told me that oh Africa, no water. No, you didn't have you don't have that knowledge. Stack talk it out, you know. Then let also me tell you what I knew of China before coming. And then you will see they will, no, 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 China is not like that. So, oh, okay. Then let me tell you about Africa and you tell me about your country. So this kind of um, perspective, I did it a lot in a lot of um, 
counties, a lot of villages, and uh, uh, also, but then I couldn't limit it. I hoped to be limited. I told you my the bottom-up approach is, you know, what we'll be doing. But then as my, my position as a head delegation, I'm also meant to attend high profile, like, uh, you know, like uh, at the the CCP the CPPCC they had yearly meeting to uh, to you know with uh, uh, foreigners they took they take representatives I'm representing Africa you know to share about you know the the African youth condition in China and what needs to be improved etc so I did a lot a lot of high profile and the latest actually was the 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 human rights the South South uh, Human Rights Forum. With the ministers and yeah so this high profile even if it's high profile minister or not the 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 route is the same when i share my perspective when i'm when i'm asked to speak high profile or not i will share the african perspective in a proactive but more balanced way you know showing it to you because what you hope is that i'm sharing what i learned from china but then i show i share with you what the chinese learned from us as well this is what i do in every you know all the platform of course also writing two letters to president xi jinping uh, last year um also in the same uh how can i say that in the same spirit um yeah try to uh share what we learn in china but also chiming in some of the suggestions what we think uh, you know what we think. How should how should how should we improve the the China and world's relationship? How should we balance it, etc. And he replied twice. Uh, yeah, also uh, writing a lot of you know as a head delegation, a lot of you have a lot to do. Uh, also uh, writing a couple of letters to uh, regarding several I would say big cases that happened uh, within uh, Africa China scope. We all knew about the the um uh advertising ad advertising incident where they put a black and yeah i had to write a letter as a high delegation and for the company to take that down and to issue an apologies they did also the guangzhou incident and the, the exhibition incident the same so uh high profile or not um i'm actually uh a we are actually aiming to do that but uh as Eric said, the main challenge is like the misunderstanding. The misunderstanding. When you go at some place, you will you understand how deep, especially it doesn't matter if you go to remote, to very remote places, or even if you are in cities, sometimes you are kind of struck like, what? Do you understand? So this misunderstanding is actually a uh, biggest uh, challenge. And this lack of communication or, or down-to-earth interactions, right? So I think. This is this is one, and also uh, the youth. You know, we, we we feel like the youth there is actually a separate entity when everything is decided by government to government. Do you understand? That's actually what we're we're hoping to bridge, to uh, to pull in the African voice, the African youth or the youth voice. You know, so that they take part. At at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the agreement that you that you sign or whatever. But when it comes to implementation. You see, sixty percent of the African youth is under twenty-five. The year twenty-five, the years of twenty-five years old. So you understand when it comes to implementation, then the youth are a core cool pillar 
right? So actually, uh, that's what we've been trying to achieve. But on the other side, still as the head delegation, bringing the African together, unity. This is actually the perspective that we, we didn't mention uh, throughout this, because when we are here, we also learn about other countries. You mentioned it, you know, and he mentioned it, you know, I met Eric, you know, we learn about this Africanness. We learn more about the other African countries, but more importantly, you learn more about the, the, the importance of unity, commitment, right? You learn more about that because seeing, you mentioned China 56 ethnic groups, but they're showing oneness outside, right? You learn about the, the, the importance of unity. You learn about the necessity of commitment, right? And also the pressing urge of leaving a legacy. Yeah, so I'll stop right there. Great, great. Thank you very much. Um, well, that's all the time that we're going to have for today's episode. Um, to everybody who's listening, thanks. And thank you to Oliver and Eric for joining me today and sharing their unique insights and perspective. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google. And if you'd like to learn more about Oliver and Eric and what they're up to, I will be putting the links in the show notes and you can check that out. Also, if you'd like to support the show, um, you can email us directly at outispodteam at gmail.com or you can buy us a dumpling through the link in the episode's bio. This show is produced by Diplomontage. And until next time, remember that everything will be perfectly balanced.